0: Let's look in the book of Acts this morning as we continue this series. And uh, Acts, and we're going to look in chapter 4. You know, last week, we learned about true compassion. We learned about looking for opportunities to pray for others in our day-to-day lives. Today, we're going to focus on how uh, the disciples were bold as lions. They were bold as lions. And there was a reason for that. And and a part of that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fact that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit to an overflowing, it gave them a boldness and a confidence to share Jesus with others. You know, as I think about the passage we're going to look at today, I, I think about how bold the disciples were. They were bold as lions bold. And it seemed like they weren't afraid of anything or anyone. What made them so bold? Why am I sometimes afraid to be bold for Jesus? What do I have to lose by being bold for Jesus? You know, I might feel awkward might be afraid for a moment, but other than that, I really have nothing to lose being bold for Jesus. We have nothing to lose being bold for Jesus. What did the disciples have to lose? Everything. (laughs) Including their lives. They had real threat being bold for Jesus. We don't experience that here in America in a real way. And I think if we're willing to admit it, aren't we all afraid at times to be bold as lions? I think we are if we admit it. And and can't we all think of a time maybe in the past when we shrunk back in our boldness for Jesus? Maybe, uh, Maybe it was at work. You know, the Holy Spirit gave you an opportunity, you sensed it, you were like, George really needs to hear what God's done in my life, but you pulled back because you were afraid or, or maybe it was in your own home at Thanksgiving, maybe you had a relative there who you knew needs Jesus in their life and, and you shrunk back because you were afraid of how they might respond or maybe it was, you know, leaning over a snow shovel with a neighbor I've, I've had those opportunities where I'm standing talking to my neighbor who um, honestly was, was seven sheets to the wind. <laughs> but we get those opportunities. And, you know, over time we get to build relationship. But, but we have to be bold enough to do it. And, and I, I want us to just to look at the example that the disciples left for us because that's what God's word is. You guys, it's an example of how we should and can live our lives. And the disciples walk this out so well in this passage. We're going to actually start in the middle of the story. And this verse will be behind me on the Sky Bible. It is in uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 18. And it says, So they called the apostles back in and told them, Never again. To speak or teach about Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about the wonderful things we have seen and we have heard. You see, they were actually in this story, they are under threat, great threat. In this situation. And I've started in the middle just because I want you to see how bold they were. They are right now standing in front of the authorities, and the authorities have just said to them, Do not teach in this name again. And they said, How can we not teach in this name? How could we listen to you and not listen to what God's word tells us we're supposed to do? You know, this whole thing, uh, this story that we're about to get into, it It started out semi-innocently. And you'll know what I mean as we get into the story. But the truth is, they were so full of the Holy Spirit boldness because they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, because they had been filled with the Holy Spirit to the point of overflowing. And let's go back to the beginning of the story, and and again, it's Acts chapter 4, and At the beginning, it says, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, some of the Sadducees came over to them. They were very disturbed that Peter and John were claiming, on the authority of Jesus, that there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they jailed them until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so that the number of believers totaled about 5,000 men Not counting the women and children. These guys were being seriously effective growing the body of Christ. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, and note what it says next, filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Leaders and elders of our nation, are we being questioned because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to you and all the people of Israel that he was healed in the name and the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, the man whom you crucified. That's pretty bold. (laughs) But whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation In no one else, there is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men who had no special training. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since the man who had been healed was standing right there among them, the council had nothing to say. So what the story tells us is that, that Peter just did what the Holy Spirit told him to do when he prayed for the crippled man from birth. If you remember last week, the crippled man who was at the gate, beautiful, who had been there his whole life, And that one time that Peter and John walked by him, who knows how many times they walked by, that one time the Holy Spirit said to him, you need to pray for this guy. And Peter prayed for him, and the man was healed instantly, completely restored. This is what Peter and John are in trouble for, because they did what God told them to do with boldness and confidence. And they did it because they were full of the Spirit. I want you to look again at the scripture, and this one will be behind you. It's verses 8 through 10. It says, again, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. I I can't drive this point home enough, you guys. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to do what he's called us to do in proclaiming the gospel. We need the Holy Spirit just to live our lives, you guys, every day. We need more of him and less of us. And then, He said to them, leaders and elders of our nation, are we being questioned because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? And then this statement, it just blows me away. When he says, let me clearly state to you and all the people of Israel that he was healed in the name and the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, the man whom you crucified and God raised from the dead. Peter knew that he was in a situation of danger. I mean, he'd been called into the court. He knew that this could cost him his life, and yet he said, the man whom you crucified. And this was to the religious leaders of the day. This is not the people on the street. These are the people who were respected as the religious leaders of the day. And, and Peter says, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. How can we not talk about that? That's what's going on in this story. And so he, he boldly proclaims the gospel to those who, who have the power to not only lock him up, but to kill him as well. This is the same Peter who in the garden, not too long before that, or I should say the courtyard, not the garden, wrong story, same guy. But in the courtyard says, I don't know Jesus. I've never, I've never talked to the man. Remember? This guy is standing in front of people that have the potential to kill him. And now he is saying, not only do I know Jesus, I'm telling you, you are the murderers who took him out. Going to verse 13 and 14, it says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men who had no special training. But they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I wonder how many people recognize that we are people who have been with Jesus. Do you ever think about that? And I'm not saying that, you know, we have to be shouting it from the rooftops every time we come in the room. But do they notice a difference in us? Do they go... (laughs) that person, there's something different about them. And it's not that they're weird. It's that they always have peace. They always have comfort. Even when they're going through horrible things in their lives, they've got positive things to say. They might even say, God's going to help me through this, or God helped me through this. The point is, do, do people notice that we've been with Jesus? But what I want us to see even more than that is when they say they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they could see they were ordinary men. The point is, we are all ordinary men and women. And we all have the same access to the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I get excited about that. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you guys. We have access to him. He's a free gift to us, just like salvation. We don't do anything to earn it. There isn't any action we can take. We just say, Lord, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's all we need to do. And we have the Spirit at our access to give us the boldness and the confidence that we need. But also, it says that they had no special training. We don't need special training to share what God has done in our life. You see, your testimony is irrefutable. People cannot argue with you about what your testimony is. They, they can argue with about a lot of things. But, but no one can argue with you what your testimony is. You know, um, after God healed me of MS, there was a person who, after church, this was a couple weeks later, came up to me and said, well, we'll see if you're still healed in 10 years. Can you believe that? <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, you know, I kind of took that on as a challenge, and, you know, not only that I would still be healed, but then actually in my 11th year, I got a tattoo commemorating the fact that I had already been healed 10 years, and, and I got a tattoo, and it says, Joel 225, I'll repay the years the enemy has taken. Here's why I'm telling you that story. We would have the kids at the swimming pool, and I'm standing in line with the kids to buy treats, and... The, this uh, person standing next to me, this adult and, uh, and she says, what does that mean? <laughs> Why do you think I got the tattoo, you guys? <laughs> not that I run around with my shirt sleeve up because I'm really not you know, but anyway point is open door for me to say, this is what Jesus did, God healed me of an incurable disease and so I, I, I tell her the story and then she looks at me and she says, well, that's not true. I, I'm not kidding you. So, you know, people may say that to you. They may say, well, that's not true. But the reality is they cannot refute what God has done in your life. And, and our job is to share that. You don't have to be a, a wordsmith. Although I encourage you to be one. I encourage you to be one who reads your Bible every day and gets God's word in your heart. Because it will help you as you share what Jesus has done It'll help you every day as you walk through life. But these, the disciples, they they didn't even have Bibles, you guys. They were ordinary men who were unschooled, and God used them. And it said even in this story that that there's 5,000 men, not counting the women, not counting the children that have come to Jesus because of these ordinary men who have been filled with the Spirit. As it goes on, it says, but since the man who had been healed was standing there right among them, the council had nothing to say (laughs) in that moment. (laughs) So they sent Peter and John out of the council chamber and they conferred amongst themselves. You know, now we catch up to where I started in the story and it says that they called the apostles back. And this slide will be there. It says, they called the apostles back in and told them to never again to speak or teach about Jesus. Here's the thing. You know, often the religious are speechless at the power of God. Often the religious are speechless at the power of God. And when I'm saying religious, I'm talking about people who don't, they're religious, but they don't have relationship. And they're speechless at the power of God. You know, when we do what the Holy Spirit tells us to, it will often challenge those who are religious because it goes outside of the comfort zone. You know, when we go back and, and they, they sent Peter and John out of the council chamber, they went to confirm on themselves they had nothing to say They were speechless about this at that moment. They didn't know what to do because it was was getting out of control. People were coming to know Jesus because of these ordinary guys. And so when they call them back, what do they do? They try to take control, right? And they say, never again speak or teach about Jesus. And here's the thing about the spirit of religion, The spirit of religion wants control, wants to be in control. It's not comfortable with the idea that God could color outside of the lines of the comfort zone, right? A couple of you are getting that. You're all getting it. You're just not all responding. I know, But actually, the best part of the story happens next. And that's when we see the believers' prayer in response to this situation. And in verse 24, it says, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John found the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Then all the believers were united as they lifted their voices in prayer, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor King David, your servant, saying, why did the nations rage? Why did the people waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. That is what happened in this city. For Herod Antipas... Pontius Pilate the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you you anointed. In fact, everything they did occurred according to your eternal will and plan. And now, Lord, hear their threats and give your servants great boldness in their preaching. Send your healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus." And then we see God's response to this prayer in verse 31, and the slide again will be behind me. It says, after this prayer, the building where they were meeting shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached God's message with boldness. So God responds to them crying out and saying, God, we want more. We want more of you. We want more of your miraculous healing power. We want more of others coming to know you. God, would you fill us? And he does. And then they preach God's message with boldness. Again, these are ordinary, unschooled people we are given boldness as lions. And that's what God has called us to as followers of Jesus, to be bold as lions, to to say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need more of you. I need to be able to share what you've done in my life. So, So what's different about John and Peter and many believers today I believe part of the difference is they walked daily in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Wasn't just Sunday morning or the night of small group. Every day they walked in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. I think there are some other reasons as well that we aren't as bold today as they were. I think one of them is a fear of a lack of knowledge of how to communicate the gospel correctly and clearly. Now, if we're going to be real here, how many of us are a little bit afraid when we get that opportunity we might not do it right? Wow, we got a lot of confident people in this room. <laughs> and a few honest ones. <laughs> Come on, you guys, we're afraid we'll mess it up, aren't we? Yeah, that's the truth about it. But know this, we can't mess it up. We can't if we ask the Holy Spirit to help us and we share the testimony of what God has done in our life. If we say, Holy Spirit, help me to do this. And I believe part of the reason we feel like we can't communicate the gospel clearly is we don't spend enough time in God's word right? We don't spend enough time in God's word. So we're like, well, yeah, I don't really know. (laughs) What if if God wants me to share a scripture? (gasps) I don't really know. (laughs) We don't spend enough time in his word, so we lack confidence. We're afraid we'll do it wrong. Or maybe that we won't know an answer to a question and we'll look stupid. Here's what I have learned. There's a lot of things I don't know. And when someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer, I, I will say to them, you know what, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I will find out for you. And, and we'll get back together and talk about it, whatever that question is. Because sometimes I don't know the answer. My wife will tell you that I always do, but... <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to rise up out from you and to tell the truth. Awesome. So... Uh, man, you can't script that stuff, guys. She never knows what I'm going to preach about. So, um, so. We, But we forget that the Holy Spirit gives us the opportunities and he gives us the ability. Every day he gives us opportunities. Every day we have the ability if we just ask the Holy Spirit to help us do it. We have a fear of rejection, don't we? We have a fear of rejection. We're afraid that if we share what God's done in our life, that person might reject us. They might even ridicule us, right? But you know what? It's it's not about us, you guys. It's, it's about them hearing God's word. And, and know this, even that person who rejects you, that person who ridicules you, you don't know where you are in the line of sharing the gospel with them. You might be number one. You might be number se- seven. You might be might be number 25 but somewhere in that line somebody is going to share the gospel with them and all those times they heard all those times they ridiculed and made fun all of a sudden it's all going to come back and they're going to go this is what I need so don't be afraid to be rejected because it's just our job to share it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and convince that's not our job There's sometimes the social awkwardness of initiating a conversation about Jesus. (laughs) My son, Caleb, my youngest son, when we first moved to our last pastorate, we weren't there very long and he got hired on to corn to tassel and he jumped on the bus with a bunch of other kids and... You know, he didn't know them. They didn't know him. This kid that sat next to him did not know him, didn't know his name. The very first thing this kid said to my son Jesus was, you know going to hell, don't you? I kid you not. That was the first thing this kid said. You know you're going to hell, don't you? (laughs) No relationship. No asking a name. No context. No, you know you're going to hell, don't you? talk about a socially awkward conversation. And you know, here's the thing I will tell you about him. He has a calling on his life. He's a leader. And pray for him because the enemy has gone after him his whole life and he struggles with this relationship with God. thing is don't don't share it in an awkward way don't make the first thing you say you know you're going to hell don't you you know build some relationship with the person and sometimes that social awkwardness comes from somebody somewhere did or said something weird and they blamed it on Jesus And so there is this resistance to God's word because somebody somewhere did something weird and they blamed it on Jesus and now it's awkward to talk about it. So know that people come into the conversation that way sometimes. I think the final reason why we don't react with the boldness of lions is I think we think we have more important things to do I think we think we have more important things to do than to stop and to take the time and to share what God has done in our life with people. And I think that we find often the opportunities come when it's not very convenient. Anybody feel like that? Yeah. (laughs) But we're busy. We got stuff to do, right? Well, know this. In the end... These things that I've shared, a fear of lack of knowledge, a fear of rejection, social awkwardness, the fact that we think we have more important things to do, in the end, these are all excuses, and eternity exists. Eternity exists. And there are people who are going to go to hell. We need to make sure that we're taking every opportunity we can to share the gospel with them because we have a part in the possibility of keeping them from there by being obedient. There's a short video I'd like us to watch.
1: It's our time. We must rise up and no longer disparage. It's our time, church, to honor our heritage. We have a Savior. He gave it all on the cross. We stand beside martyrs who counted nothing as lost. They took God's mysteries, opened them up for us. Stephen, John the Baptist, Bonhoeffer, Jan Hus. Surrounded by a cloud of witnesses above, it's now our turn to model his unending love. Our mission is one we cannot confuse nor muddy up with some trite excuse. You say you're not well-versed, ready, or able. I think Moses even tried to use that fable. The time we have, it's now more urgent. If we should hear, well done, faithful servant. Yeah, church, it's our time. It's our time to confess the ways we're mangled, the sins and selfishness that have us entangled. Lust, greed, and pride, their path leads to the grave. Yet we return to our sins as if we're a slave. Can we survive in this putrid dead sea? I quote Paul, may it never be. So let's cast aside our individual leprosy and begin to leave a biblical legacy, There's a glorious prize awaiting to be won, and the way to win is to start to run. Let's lace them up and fight the good fight, become to the world both salt and light. Our life on earth is merely a vapor. Our chapter must move from pen to paper. So church, let's get to writing because it's our time. It's our time, church. We have what it takes to help the world from its slumber awake. To Jesus, we are his beautiful bride. Whom shall we fear with him on our side? We have each other. We are not alone. It's iron to iron in the combat zone. There's a promise of life full of adventure. As long as we give both talents and treasure, the workers are few. The harvest is plenty with so many lives running on empty. Scores of people trying to cope. They've come to the end of their proverbial rope. Young eyes are wandering, looking for direction. Make sure we point them to his resurrection. The clock's ticking. We're on our dime. Hey, church, rise up. It's our time.
0: There are thousands, literally thousands who live in this region who do not know Jesus. And it's our time. It was Peter and John's time in this passage we looked at today. But it's our time now. We have the opportunity to draw people to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will help us do that. All we need to do is ask Holy Spirit, fill me afresh, give me the boldness, give me the confidence I need to share what Jesus has done in my life. What does this mean to you? You you cannot manufacture boldness out of a vacuum. But you can receive boldness from the Holy Spirit when you ask for it. When you ask to be refilled daily, he will fill you afresh. You have the relationships, you have the jobs, You live in your neighborhood where you do for a reason. This is no coincidence, you guys. God has placed you exactly where you are because there are people around you who need to know Jesus. And you're the one he's going to use if you're willing to just take the chance to be bold and to share. I believe that daily we choose whether or not we're going to share our faith. Every single day, we get a chance. Let's stand up and we're going to close. And I'm going to just speak a prophetic word over you as we close in prayer. And that is, we will no longer make excuses for not telling others about Jesus. Lord, let it be that we would not make excuses. That we'll look for two or three people to tell about Jesus this week. And that, God, we will ask you to help us to see those around us as he does. Father, this morning I ask again that you would fill these afresh with your Holy Spirit. Give them a holy boldness and a confidence, boldness as lions, to share what you have done in their lives at work, at home, in their neighborhoods. God, give us opportunities and give us the boldness to take advantage of those opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.